Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. In the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Cardinal baseball this afternoon at 115-1220 pregame. The Cardinals at 31-28, hosting the Cincinnati Reds, who are two games under 500 at 27-29. But the NL Central standings are tightening up. The Cubs have lost three in a row. The Brewers have won three in a row. So those two teams are now tied at the top of the division with the Cardinals a game and a half out. And Cincinnati suddenly in the conversation at four out, even though they're two games under 500 and need to get above 500 to even be considered. They are four games out of first. That's how tight the NL Central is or how uh, mediocre it is, according to some people. I, I just think that these are four teams that we were not surprised would be jockeying for a position and would be involved. Are they the best teams in the NL? No. Uh, but the AL, the NL East is exactly the same. The Mets are 28 and 23, only five games over 500, and they lead the division by three and a half games. Uh, the Braves are in second place in that division. They're two games under 500 at 27 and 29. The Phillies have dropped to four games back at three games under 500. In the West, you know who leads the NL West right now? It's not the Dodgers who took two out of three from the Cardinals. No, it's not the Padres. Padres went on a tear, but they are four and six in their last 10 games. I watched them yesterday. They lost yesterday. Uh, No, the number one team in the NL West, the number one team in the National League, and the number one team in baseball is the San Francisco Giants. They are 16 games over 500. They're 37 and 21, and they are the best team in baseball, according to record. Now, you could argue that they're not going to survive that threesome in the NL West. Don't tell them. They think they will. Uh, They're the best team in the NL West and the best team in baseball. And their run differential at plus 71 is right there with the Padres, who are plus 74. Dodgers are a plus 85 in the run differential. Those are the best three teams in the National League. The Giants, the Padres, and the Dodgers in that order. Then, next on the list in terms of record would be the Cubs and the Brewers, then the Mets, then the Cardinals. That's how it looks right now. 
in the National League. In the East, the Rays lead the East by a game. In the Central, the White Sox lead the Indians by three games. Tony La Russa has tied John McGraw for second all-time in managerial wins. He did that on Friday with a victory. The White Sox lost yesterday. But how about 2,763 wins for former Cardinal, former A's, and now White Sox for the second time, Hall of Fame manager Tony La Russa. Speaking of the best in the business, Roger Federer has withdrawn from the French Open. He says, it's important that I listen to my body. He's had two knee surgeries, and his body is telling him that he can't go any further. So he has withdrawn from the French Open that uh, just coming in a little earlier from Roland Garros. In golf yesterday, John Rahm had a six-shot lead in the Memorial. He fired a 64 yesterday. He was all smiles. He was amazing yesterday. really was. He walks off the 18th green, and two officials come up to him, and they tell him, you've tested positive for COVID-19, and therefore he is out of the tournament. And emotionally, John put his hands uh, over his face, and that's tough. I mean, very tough. You have a six-shot lead. You're going to win the Memorial, basically, unless you something happens on Sunday. And what happened was he was taken out of the tournament. So he fired a 64. He, had a, he tied the 54-hole record led by six, but he was subject to daily testing because he was in close contact with a person who was positive. He passed every test until Saturday morning when the rain-delayed tournament uh, came to an end. He tested, then he went out and had the third round, and then he was told that he tested positive. That is tough stuff right there. Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay back in contention for the title as they are both minus 12 to start the day. Brandon Grace and Scotty Scheffler are three shots back. The U.S. Women's Open is taking place in San Francisco. Lexi Thompson shot a bogey-free 566 to take the lead into the final round for the first time in 15 tries. In the NHL, the New York Islanders even things with the Boston Bruins. That's now a 2-2 series. Tampa Bay's up 3-1 on Carolina after beating them yesterday. So Patrick Maroon could win three straight Stanley Cups. Can you imagine? In the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets took game one against Milwaukee. And the Belmont Stakes, the winner was a a very good horse, essential quality, who finished fourth in the Kentucky Derby, went off as the favorite yesterday in the Belmont and won it past early leader Hot Rod Charlie and held on to win the mile-and-a-half race in New York. Essential quality won the Belmont Stakes. What about soccer? Well, before I get to Lutz Fannensteel, the sporting director of St. Louis City SC, who was my guest on the Garage Happy Hour, a tip of the cap to two... St. Louis uh, teams, two teams here in St. Louis who uh, got off to uh, just uh, some great headline games. Uh, High school soccer is alive and well in this area, as you well know. We'll talk about the boys' side, the men's side with Lutz in just a moment. This is about the ladies and a terrific win for St. Dominic. They win over Narinx Hall 3-1. to one. That is the sixth state title for St. Dominic and an unbeaten season as they won 3-1. to one. And Ursuline beat St. Charles in Class 2. So St. Dominic wins Class 4. Ursuline wins Class 2 for the first time, beating St. Charles 
two to nothing. Lutz Van and Steel, the sporting director for St. Louis City SC, is next on Sports on a Sunday Morning from my garage happy hour on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday Morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's right down the street. We're live now with, uh, with the man of the hour. We're going to... Uh, we're just talking off the air. We're right down the street from you. So our building is at Tucker uh, and Olive. So we're oh. just, yeah, we're just down the street from the stadium site. This is Lutz Fan and Steel. He is the sporting director for St. Louis City SC, the new MLS team in town, which has been given ample time. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Lutz, and thank you so much for doing this. You know, this show started during the pandemic and at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was really aimed at just me drinking a beer and I'm having one right now. This is uh Schlafly's actually right on your stadium property there. The tap rooms right there. Uh, and I, you know, I was just talking to people and it turned into a thing and it actually, you know, of, of in a very tough time, this was something in my life that turned out to be good from the pandemic is that I learned that this was fun and good. And we met a lot of people and learned a lot of things. The pandemic was not ideal for sports, but in an interesting way, it turned out to be somewhat beneficial to your group because it's given you a little more time to get things in order, hasn't it? And thank you very much again for doing this. Yeah, glad to be here, uh, Tom. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being uh, moved from 2022 to 23, I think it was... um, it was quite good in the end of the day because it gives us really a little bit more time to focus on the on the most important thing and uh, it's just the way the way you build a house you need to get the foundation right otherwise uh, it just won't look beautiful in the end of the day and and i think our foundation must be the community approach our foundation must be a really good academy approach and i think uh, the first team is then uh, something which will follow um, and I think uh, through that extra year, um, having now, especially myself, a lot of time to really focus on the basics, to get the basics right, to put a lot of work in building the community system, the satellite locations, and of course, the academy. I think that is what uh, the whole soccer society, the whole soccer community is a little benefit uh, in the years to come, uh, not just in four or five years, but probably in the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah, for sure. You know, and at the same time the pandemic also was not easy on your job specifically to go out and scout talent and and having covered sports for a long time um, i've always been fascinated with the front office of whether it's been the cardinals or the blues or the rams when they were here and how they go far and wide to find talent and that's certainly the in your case not being able to travel has been a little bit of a challenge i bet you're itching to get out there and get after it yeah, it's definitely uh, you know important that you also see the the, the, the player, the targets, the, the the boys you're really interested in to see them face to face and see them playing and also see them training. But um, you know the new technologies uh, made things, especially in soccer, a little bit easy for us. Uh, the database, uh, I think, the way you can scout online, you can literally watch a second division game in Peru or or Serbia or anywhere in the world, and you're getting a good overview of the players. 
um, data is a really important part in scouting now as well. I think it helps you a lot to create a short list and to eliminate players uh, who are not really a great fit. But in the end of the day, I think you need to be there to make final decisions. You need to be there. You need to you need to feel the energy. You need to see it on the big field, not just what you see on a on a TV with the limited kind of vision. So yeah, uh, it uh, it's it's now slowly opening up. I mean, I'm heading over now to the Euro uh, 2021 to Europe next week to meet as many people as possible, to watch as many games as possible, to meet coaches, to meet players, to meet agents. So it will be a busy a busy few weeks, but. You know, that big tournaments, I think that is where everybody really meets, where everybody is there, where you can organize meeting after meeting. And I think that is something where we get a, a nice overview over the market to come in the next two years. You are very well regarded in Europe. You came over as someone that everyone buzzed about there. What's the difference? Is there a big difference between the way the game is played there and the way MLS is played here? Well, it's a, it's a bit of a difference, but in the end of the day, uh, I think the MLS is now on a way to become an absolute top league internationally. You know, uh, the, the league is growing unbelievable. And, and, and I think uh, looking at uh, the, the U.S. players who are playing now overseas, uh, also with the men's national team, uh, I think uh, it shows that there is a big enthusiasm at the moment. I mean, I was lucky enough to loan uh, Sextaff and the national goalkeeper from Man City to Fortuna Düsseldorf, and he stayed there with me for a season. And uh, yeah, you see, I mean, he just was in the Champions League final with Man City. And I think there is lots of really, really good American players right now in Europe. So it shows the talent has a big impression over there, but also the talents over here in the MLS, I think it's growing. Uh, the league is really, really well organized. There is lots of teams now. There is some teams also changing the way of play. Some teams also changing a little bit the approach. What kind of foreigners do I sign? Do I sign players who are older with a big name or do I bring hungry players who, who are still on the way up? So there is lots of movements, lots of good motion. And I think uh, uh, the people who watch uh, uh, the MLS on TV and, and go into the stadium, I think they actually feel that there is a lot to come and that it's a very, very positive way at the moment. I totally see that coming. I can feel the momentum. It's a very popular league and soccer fans absolutely eat it up. And you'll, you'll understand, as you already do, how in tune this city is with the sport. You're not going to have to teach the soccer fans the sport. Uh, it'll be uh, a learning curve for the casual sports fan, but there's so much excitement about the game. The stadium, we'll get into that in just a minute, is amazing. Um, but you have been able to spend a lot of time here in St. Louis. So what did you observe from players here? And I know you've set up, uh, you're, you are setting up an academy and you've been able to check out some of the youth talent here. Yeah, you know, when I came here, um, it was in the middle of a pandemic in, in August, but uh, it was possible to watch some of the high school games. And then uh, with the year coming a bit into the later stage, more and more high school in the plate, I really went uh, all over all over the state, all over the city, all over the county to watch as many games as possible. And what we're doing now, I think it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, the right decision because we have lots of players now from our, 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 our scouting, from our uh, games we watched from the high school system and also uh, from other academies and other, other clubs. And now, right now, we had yesterday um, one of the, yeah, I wouldn't say one of the last, but one of the final selection sessions where uh, there was around 80 players of two age groups there together. And uh, uh, let me tell you, Tom, I think the level is really good. There is lots of talent here. There is um, lots of 
boys also coming from smaller clubs or from high schools who don't play club soccer. And it looks really promising. So this 06 age group and 05 age group, they both will play MLS next this fall. Actually, we'll start there in August or September. And I, I really can't wait till uh, the first ball to be kicked in a, in a St. Louis City SC jersey. Isn't that wild? So they, yeah, that's going to get going here pretty soon. And then the stadium will be finished in 22. So the commissioner came. Uh, he left today, but as we're as we're recording this, some people are watching this live. But uh, this is a Thursday, and he came in on Wednesday and checked out the stadium. The last time he was here, it was an empty lot. Uh, what what did he think of all of that? And what was that like uh, just to have him here and to have all of you meeting together? Yeah, I mean it's great. You know, I mean it's the the strongest man in the MLS. Uh, and if if Don comes by, I think it's always something special. I mean, he was really impressed the pro- the progress we made with the infrastructure, but also with all the meetings with the different departments, having really detailed discussions and 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 talks and presentations. I think I think the MLS is pretty happy with the, the progress we made so far. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the stadium will be something special. Uh, alone, the location uh, is something unbelievable to have right in downtown, such a beautiful facility, but also being lucky enough to have a, our, our training facility right next to it, where the academy will train, where the professional team will train, all that in downtown. I mean, it, couldn't, it can't really be any better. I really feel like this group just will spare no expense. I mean, they need a problem fixed. They're going to get it done, which is an incredible commitment to not only the movement, but also the city. You know, I was thinking about this, too. You recently, I, was, I did an event, a private event with Matt Seebeck. And I mentioned it was on your birthday, actually, that we did this event for the St. Louis Sports Commission, which is also right there in the neighborhood of the stadium. And I thought about this. I'm like, Lutz, I'm assuming you celebrated the birthday here in the city. But I I was like, you know, he could not have better people showing him around than the Taylor family, Jim Cavanaugh. Like that is St. Louis, man. I mean, you have you had the best tour guides ever in that group. And that that had to have been nice. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the commitment of the Taylor family is unbelievable. And, and also the way uh, the approach is to, to really uh, focus on, on, on doing something special for the city, doing something special for St. Louis, uh, get the community together, promote the game, uh, uh, yeah, get people together and play it. Also in, in out there in every community to really be accessible for everybody, to make it a sport everybody can play. And I think uh, that commitment uh, is unbelievable. And then on top of that, uh, being able to to have a stadium of, well, for me, it's world-class, having a training center, which is which is absolutely brilliant. All that together with that deep dedication to, to, to grow the game in the community and, and make St. Louis. I mean, we talk about soccer capital. And once everything is ready, I'm 100% believe that we are the soccer capital here. In the United States, and I think that's what we're all going for. But as I said, you know, the pro team is still a bit away. We need to focus now on the youngsters, on the development, on the academy, on the community. This is the future, and I think uh, we need to look not just on the short term. We need to look into the medium term and in the long term, and only then we can be successful. Yeah, to have that great star talent, if some megastar either develops out of this or if you're able to bring one in right away, that's also exciting. But as you mentioned, it's a foundation. It's building the foundation, the building blocks for the next 10, 20 years. And it's really, gosh, it's just fun to think about a, a pro sports team starting and we're witnessing it and following it. And it feels like to go back to what we talked in the beginning, 
that you've had that ample time to build the brand. You know, Atlanta had a chance to do that and some of the others too. If you rush right into it, sometimes it's not as good probably. I think that you have a leg up on other people. Like you'll be as prepared as anybody, as any franchise. Um, Lutz, what, just before we go, and I, 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 we have a few more minutes, but what, how did you, are you one of those who played the game, you know, in diapers? I mean, how, when did you start to, when did you, do you know when you, when you got hooked on the game or it was just part of growing up? No, I mean, I was born into a soccer family. My dad was a professional goalkeeper. My grandfather was a big administrator at the at the federation. So for me, the, I didn't really have much choice. You know, I, I played in a, in a very young age also. I played a lot of tennis, but uh, soccer was the game I always wanted to play. And yeah, I, I was born in it. I was actually... Uh, I was just putting goal. I wanted to be an, an, a striker or a winger, but they said, no, your dad was a keeper going goal. I think it was the right decision in the end of the day. And yeah, I mean, I went through the ranks, you know, I, I played at highest level there in the youth. I played for my country. So I played for the German youth national team and it was a was a great experience. But for me, uh, soccer is the most beautiful game in the world. Uh, that's, you can, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You can play it. It's accessible. It's easy. It's a, uh, usually uh, a sport who, who gets people together. Uh, football really connects everybody, uh, or soccer, as you say, and, and that is something really, really special. It is going to be special. And, you know, I think this is a city that you are going to absolutely love and embrace. And when you get to see the fans, you already have, but um, when you get to experience, let's say, Bush Stadium at full capacity, which is happening here in a couple weeks, uh, when the Blues are at full capacity and that place is rocking, and when you have your stadium, the one that is rising right now just off Market Street, just west of Union Station, at full capacity in 2023, I can't even imagine what will be flowing through all of your bodies with 22,500 in that recessed stadium just going nuts. It's going to be an amazing feeling, and uh, it's exciting to talk about it. And I really appreciate you coming on and giving us a, a little picture of what's being built I know we're going to stay connected on KMOX Radio, but it's great to have you on the Garage Happy Hour. I, I, I really appreciate this. Look forward to, to raising one with you in person, man. Looking forward to that as well. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Great to have you. Lutz okay. Fan and Steel, well, on the Garage Happy Hour. That is Lutz Fan and Steel, the sporting director from St. Louis City SC. The Garage Happy Hour, if you're not familiar by now, is on the KMOX Sports Facebook page every Thursday at 5.30. And it was nice to have the commissioner of MLS, Don Garber, in town at the stadium site and Lutz giving us a little background on that and, of course, his main job, which is to build this team. That's what John Mosellock does for the Cardinals and the president of baseball operations will join us live next on sports on a Sunday morning. It's 1129. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 1132, Cardinal Baseball coming up in about an hour and a half. We'll have pregame in less than an hour, 1220. It'll be 
Joe Potts with the Ameren Total Access pregame show on the Cardinals radio network, largest radio network in Major League Baseball, 145 affiliates, including this flagship radio station. And joining us is the Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock. We always appreciate these moments. Uh, I'll tell you, you, I've known you a long time. I've been covering this team since 97, so we're talking 24 years. I've never seen a run of injuries this quickly stacked up like this. I mean, this is just, it's bad luck, I guess. I, I In addition to other things, I'm not really sure, but uh, it's really something, Mo. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's it's, it's certainly unfortunate. Um, you know, as, as, as deep as you think you are and, and, and you're always trying to uh, create depth, so you have that type of flexibility, but, you know, when you're losing like two-thirds of your outfield at one point, when you're... Um, middle infield is getting banged up it's just and pitching needless to say it's uh being stressed to the max right now especially with michaelis jack and and even guys like whitley and now kk so it's seasons are long right and you're always going to have sort of these like ups and downs and, and peaks and valleys during a year so it's you know hopefully you know we can kind of write our ship starting today and and at least um, remain competitive until we can find ourselves healthy or maybe find some some help outside. So, you know, we're going to have to consider everything right now as we're we're looking to just uh, remain competitive, but, you know, we're certainly being tested at the moment. Yeah, on the looking outside part of it, free agency is one thing and uh, perhaps a trade is another. When it comes to free agents, you made this point. I was listening to your visit with the media uh, that free agents, there might be some out there, but that does take some time too, doesn't it, to get them ramped up and, and adjusted and all that stuff? It really does. So, you know, unfortunately, there's no, like, perfect answer for what we're dealing with right now. Um, uh, obviously, um, you know, finding ways to get back to winning baseball, and, and hopefully that can and buy us some time. But, you know, right now it just seems like when you, when you think about how the cl- club looks right now, we're just – not nothing's like really hitting on full cylinders at the moment and when you have that and and you know you sort of have that lack of ability to go deep in games all of a sudden you're putting more stress on the bullpen you're not getting that that key big hit uh like yesterday for example when you had uh bases loaded one out and unfortunately was not we were not able to to take advantage of that obviously it came back to haunt us so you know, when things are going well, you're getting those hits. When things are going well, you're not getting injured. So um, it's, a, it's a tough time. There's no doubt about it and don't want to sugarcoat it. But there's still a lot of optimism in our in our clubhouse. And, and, and guys, they are pressing. There's no doubt about it because everybody wants to help um, get us over this hump and, and find ways to win. But, you know, as I was, like, going through the clubhouse this morning, it's like, guys, just take a deep breath, breathe. Um, you know, we'll get through this. No, you can hear that in their voices. They're all trying to make something happen, and you can see it in their body language. And yesterday, Mo was referring to the fourth inning in which the Cardinals had the bases loaded but uh, were unable to come through. Uh, Sosa, who's really been good for you off the bench and now in a starting role a lot of times, uh, struck out. And then Mike Schilt makes the decision to go for it, and Oviedo's taken out of the game for John Nagowski, and he flies out to right, and the threat is over. Also in that inning, Yadier Molina was injured. Mike sharing with us last hour that it looks like not something that would be IL-related. He's going to get the day off today unless there's some emergency just to get him an extra day of rest. Is that uh, how you understand it? Yeah, and I think, you know, dovetailing that with with the um, off day tomorrow, 
gives him you know, two full days to, to recover. Um, I'm fairly optimistic that he'll avoid the IL and uh, fingers crossed, but given the kind of week we've had, I shouldn't rule anything out. <laughs> you know, you brought up one thing that was interesting though, was Oviedo. Yeah. And you know, it was, it was, it was nice to see him throw strikes because when he's around the plate, he can be effective. And, and I think yesterday was, you know, something that that's the type of outing we expect when he takes the ball. And, you know, obviously I think he could have gone five, six innings yesterday the way he was pitching. But to your point, Skipper decided to go for it and uh, had to take him out of the game. But, you know, that was a, that was probably the one uh, very encouraging thing we saw yesterday. Yeah, I really like Oviedo, too. Uh, what about uh, Angel Rondon? What, what can you tell us about his track record? You've always spoken very highly of him, and he was, gosh, he was the minor league pitcher of the year in 2019. Uh, what will be his role, and, and what do you see for him? You know, it's it's he's sort of that classic guy that that did not benefit from the mm-hmm. the pandemic in the sense of he was coming off a big year in nineteen. Um, we were really excited about what we were seeing in him, but you know, last year he just unfortunately did not really be able to build on that. But you know, he has a lot of arm strength, um, which we didn't really see last year as much, which was a little bit uh, concerning. But the the guy throws to the plate and and you know when you think about our club that's what we need right now we need people around the dish we need people throwing strikes and you know hopefully that's something that that we get out of him but i still think he's someone that that we're pretty excited about and um you know hopefully uh he's more of an emergency person right now but you know if we need help hopefully he can he can give that to us but you know right now i think the cardinals as a whole have really been, you know, struggling with the uh, ability to throw strikes, and I think that's the most important thing we see out of him. And then in Rendon's case, he was a seven percent walk rate at at Memphis, which was encouraging. One thing that's a little head shaking is his strikeout rate is way down, and um, I'm not going to belabor that at this point, just because I'd much rather see people put the ball in play than just get walked. So hopefully, uh, he's someone that can give us a little bit of relief if we need it. How has Zach Thompson been? You know, it's it's a bit of a head-scratcher, really. Um, when we saw him briefly after the draft in, in 19, he was someone, you know, throwing mid-90s. And then I think everybody that got to see him in spring training a year ago, obviously we were all very excited. And then he was at our alt camp last year that, that um, piqued a lot of our interest. But he just has been regressing to to where – you know, he's just not quite ready for this. And I think part of it is is adjusting to professional baseball in in a sense of, of you know, beginning in, in February and now understanding the day-to-day. Because if you think about it, he's really never been through that. In 19, he was a college draft. In 2020, it was a, a abbreviated year because of the pandemic. And now I think understanding what is required on, on taking the ball every fifth day has been a bit of a challenge for him. Matthew Libertor pitching for the United States. What a cool thing. What an opportunity for him. He's only 21. He's your top pitching prospect. A really neat stage for him. Now he comes back to Memphis for a little while, right? He does. And we have not determined like what the next steps are for him or that team. Obviously they did qualify. Um, so they, they did punch their ticket to, to Japan. But I think a lot of it's going to depend on where our club is and what our needs are. But I, I, I agree with you. It was a great experience for him this past week. 
Um, got a lot of feedback from some of those veteran players that said he, you know, there, there's a lot to like about him. So um, it was it was good to hear because he hasn't had maybe necessarily the the type of of season so far at AAA that that maybe many of us had hoped. But we have to remind ourselves he's 21 and and you know getting to to participate with uh, USA Baseball I think was was a really neat experience for him and. I think he liked it. And so hopefully um, this is like a, a step in a very positive direction. Staying with Memphis and shifting to the big leaguers, Paul DeYoung had a hit yesterday, had a double and scored a run. I watched a little video of him moving around and saw him taking grounders from Stubby as well on Friday. And then he uh, played yesterday for Memphis. From what I could tell, it looked pretty good uh, getting around. Is he uh, on the mend and looking good to get back? Yeah, I just think we have to be patient. Um, you know, when when you have these guys out on injuries, the your 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 natural reaction is just get them back. But got to let him play his way into where he feels comfortable that he can contribute. Um, I know yesterday was a, a great first step for him, and now we just got to build him up because the one thing you want to be careful of. The good news is with Sosa doing what he's done, we're not forced to when when Paulie comes back to play him seven straight days, all nine innings. So that part we have a little protection with, but we still want him to feel confident that, that when he does come back, he can make all the plays he normally would, and he wouldn't have to feel like he has to protect his, his rib cage. And also a rib cage injury to Bader, and Harrison's going to be a little while, those, and, and Flaherty has a, a side injury too, which I'll, I'll ask you about in just a moment, but for Bader, it, it's hard to tell, I guess, sometimes as that continues to heal. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, Again, patience, right? Like you wish these things, there was a magic bullet here that we could insert that would allow him to get back sooner because, you know, when he was playing with us, we were playing at a a really high level. So he's certainly going to be missed. But, you know, I spoke with him this morning. I mean, he's definitely down because he he wants to be on that field. But, you know, the the good news is he understands why he's not. And so he's going to just have to be, take the slow play and, uh, you know, he's eyeing a certain time on a calendar that he can maybe get back going again, and, you know, our fingers are crossed that that can happen. You only have a, a few guys that can go deep into games for you, and, and one of those is Jack Flaherty, who has been tremendous, really has. So you always tell us you're looking to improve the team. We talked about this at the start of this interview. You're always looking to improve the team. That ramps up a bit when you lose someone like Jack, and you've lost others, so your depth's being tested severely. Uh, this is uh, we. Gosh, I feel like we've talked about oblique injuries forever. That it's hard sometimes to breathe or laugh, or when you have something like that. So that will require you talk about patience uh, for someone as tremendous as Jack Flaherty. It, it is going to be a wait. It is going to be a wait. Um, there's no shortcut here. The, the one benefit is 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 he is very very healthy, meaning like a someone that takes a lot of of of. He's very smart on what he puts in his body, and so I think from a healing standpoint, he will be on more of the quicker side of things, but nonetheless, you still have to be patient. How are you doing? Does anybody ask that? How's John doing? A final thing for me. <laughs> How's John I think, I think my mental health is being tested, <laughs> but um, look, I, I, I can sense some disappointment with, with people, with the team at the moment, and, and I just always remind myself that Seasons are long, and there's there's always going to be ups and downs. And you know, right now we're just we're in it we're in a downward turn. But you know, the hope is is we can get through that and and be back to playing baseball like we were prior to uh, all the injuries and and 
you know, to some level, some some lack of performance, but still believe in this club. I, I certainly understand it's not the team that you know we envision, just given all the injuries. But you know, one man's loss is another man's gain. So hopefully, guys can take advantage of it. I appreciate these times very much, and thank you for being with us. Good luck today against the Reds. All right, thanks, Tommy. There's John Mosella, Cardinals president of baseball operations, with us on sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll take a look at some of the updated stories around sports. A lot of things going on right now. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX continues right after this. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Right now, 3-2 Cincinnati, top of the fifth, one-on-one out. The 2-2 pitch, Naquin swings and drives it to center field. Carlson's on the run, he won't catch it. The ball's over his head. Bounces off the track, off the wall. Coming around third, Stevenson trying to score. Here's the throw to the plate. The tag by Molina. He's out, out at the plate. Two down, Stevenson doubled or singled and tried to score on the double by Naquin and was cut down. That was a bang, bang, bang play. Carlson to Edmund to Molina. What a throw by Edmund on that relay. What a pick by Molina behind the plate. Cardinals lost that game, though, to the Reds. They've lost all of these games to the Reds, and they go for a sweep, Cincinnati does, today at 115 at Bush Stadium. What about Yachty? He was injured yesterday in the fourth inning, and Mike Schultz, Cardinals manager, gave us an update last hour. You know, we're going to stay away from him today as well if we can. You know, be available in an emergency situation. We think the day off will obviously help him. Um, but, no, it's, uh, you know, got him on flush on the on the bone. You know, those are nasty things that can be really um, sore. And, you know, but we got the, one of the toughest men, you know, toughest guy I might ever know um, on earth. But, um, you know, even uh, Superman's got a kryptonite. You can't deal with uh, something that's, you know, requires you not to be able to move like you would like, especially in a squatting position. But um, we don't think it's anything that's going to be IL related. So a knee contusion for Yadier Molina and not anything. And John Mozela came on just a little while ago on the show and echoed that. They don't think this is going to be an IL stint for Molina. But Andrew Kisner is starting at catcher today and batting eighth. Molina is available, as Schultz said, in an emergency, but otherwise they're going to give him a day off today, and that with an off day tomorrow should be enough rest, you would hope, for the start of that series just to see how he's looking on Tuesday morning when the Cardinals take on the Cleveland Indians later that night. Here's the lineup for the Cardinals today. Tommy Edmond is leading off and playing second base. Dylan Carlson is the center fielder batting second. Paul Goldschmidt will bat third and play first base. Nolan Arenado, the third baseman, is the cleanup man. Tyler O'Neill, the left fielder, bats fifth. Edmundo Sosa is going to bat sixth today. He's the shortstop. Jose Rondon is going to play right field and bat seventh. Kisner behind the plate. Gant, the pitcher, eighth and ninth in the batting order against the Cincinnati Reds. 115 is the first pitch. For John Gant. Gant has cut down on his walks, part of a conversation I had with Mike Schilt last hour. I wouldn't say that Schilt bristled about this or got upset at all, but he, you know, tried to talk to me about the fact that they are improving in that area. 
I, they've issued a lot of walks. I mean, this, you know, losing six out of the last seven, 34 walks uh, over that stretch. They've hit a bunch of batters too, but he thinks that overall he's seeing some improvement in that area. I, I agree with him. Gant uh, in that area has improved. Oviedo, I thought looked good yesterday. It was just the walks yesterday came at inopportune times. I mean, you walked a batter and then Suarez hit the ball a mile, which he can do. A. Eugenio Suarez. So the Cardinals got to be careful putting runners on base and uh, setting up sluggers like that for chances to put more on the board. I think mostly right now, as much as it's been stressed on the pitching staff, the Cardinals got to find a way to score some runs. I mean, yesterday, again, Arenado drives in two and the Cardinals can't do anything else. Uh, The game before that, the Cardinals again, score early and then can't tag on anything after that. That's been the issue. They've got to find a way to get an explosion offensively. And with their depth being tested severely here, that is easier said than done. So we'll see if the Cardinals can get things moving. John Moselock did tell us a little while ago that he continues to look for pitching help both inside and outside the organization. A couple of things happening around sports right now. The French Open, if you haven't heard, Roger Federer has withdrawn to give himself a chance to recover after a long third-round match. So the 20-time Grand Slam champion has withdrawn. He says in a statement that it's important for him to listen to his body as he returns to action. He's had two operations on his right knee. He's 39 years old. He was supposed to play in the fourth round tomorrow. Instead, he will turn his focus to Wimbledon. He has won eight times there. That is a record. So we'll see. June 28th is when Wimbledon begins, and Roger Federer is going to take some time to rest until that happens. In the NBA, Joel Embiid is going to play for the Sixers today. He has a cartilage issue in his knee, but the announcement was made just a little while ago that the Sixers are going to have Embiid playing with a cartilage tear in his right knee. He is in the starting lineup for Game 1 of the Sixers playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks. That series will get going here in just a little bit uh, as those two teams hook up at noon. So they're just a few minutes away from tipping that one. Philadelphia, a five-point favorite at home against Atlanta. Dallas and the Clippers, that one goes down to a game seven. Clippers, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. That one tips at 230. That game will be on ABC while the Sixers game is before that on ABC. Cardinal baseball on KMOX. After the news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 